Hey, 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 oh man, whoa, oh woman, woman. What movie is that from? Tag me in Facebook if you know. Woman. Oh, hey, it's episode fifty-six, and this is it's kind of weird because episode fifty-six of the Holy Cannoli podcast, but it's part five of Confessions of a Pastor. And this one is kind of a, uh, it's, it was exhausting. I've, I've spoken uh, three weeks, not actually in a row, it was two weeks in a row. I had one week off and then a third week that I just did. So I'm going to put them out in the podcast. You're actually getting a couple of messages slash conversations slash interactions <laughs> that I've done with my church. This is Tony Gapastone. Did I say hi? If you're new to the podcast, that I've done with my church that I am a co-pastor with in Novato, California, Marin County, across the Golden Gate Bridge with my BFF, Matt Nightingale. Oh, it's just so good. You know, I have been on a journey. If you have not listened to the back episode, usually my wife is on here doing the intro, but we have been, life has been nutty. We've had, we have had no power. We've, it's just been full and busy. I got a grant I got to tell you about. I'm making some movies. It's like, what? And it's almost Thanksgiving. We're in the month of Thanksgiving. This is gratitude month. What are you grateful for? I'm grateful for you, my listeners. I'm grateful for the fact that there's a divine being out in the universe somewhere, somehow, that's also supposed to be really intimate and close. That's true. I believe it sometimes. So, okay, this episode is a series that I've been doing about confessions. And I have some stuff going on with the Bible. I finally feel free to talk about it. If you've been following since I started this podcast, we've done some conversations around what is the Bible? How do we understand it? Is it meant to be taken literally? How do you deal with all the laws? Uh, what about metaphors and analogies and uh, patriarchal systems of oppression, all that kind of stuff? So I attempted to address this question. Our church is going through a, question, uh, a conversation around doubt, which I love. Uh, sacred questions, embracing doubt for the sake of integrity. Think about that. You can be, we can be honest and actually to be fully integrous, is that a word? Uh, we should talk about our doubts and talk about things that we don't understand or don't fully believe or have evolved. And so this episode is me starting that conversation. I have two more episodes that will talk about the Bible. And then I think I have one more confessions from a pastor. Uh, I'm going to talk with a woman who pastors here in the Bay Area for the final. So you got four more episodes in confessions of a pastor, unless any pastors hit me up and say you want to come on here and talk about your confessions and frustrations and questions and loves of the church and God and the Bible and beyond. But till then, uh, here's my, my attempt. And know that I try. I talk some about some things that uh, you might not agree with. You don't have to. I'm trying to position myself in a place of saying, "Here's what I've experienced." I try to, uh, you know, I'm still dealing with my. Gosh, how do I explain it? My deconstruction, such the buzzy word, but my coming away from an institutional church, uh, a faith that was born and bred in the evangelical world. There's a lot of conversations. I'm not the first person to do that at all, but some of you who know me, it just might seem personal. I get it. Um, but I'm open to hear. And I try to position myself as saying I could be wrong. This is me learning, but this is just how I see it now. Uh, every time I speak, I'm trying to use that phrase, those phrases, because I'm not an expert and nobody has all the answers. Anybody who do, you should run the <clears throat> run the heck away. <laughs> uh, also, at the end of our conversations, every time we speak on a Sunday with The Quest, we do what's called Q&R. I stole that from a podcast friend and pastor, Kevin Nooner, question and response. We do that at our Brave Maker events too. So I, I kept that in there. It might be a little hard to hear because people talk off of a mic, but I also want you to see my wrestling with and the awkwardness that comes from trying to be honest with how you respond to things. Okay, uh, before, I, before I go, please consider giving to my nonprofit. I have an amazing opportunity. It's 50, sorry, it's 100% matching. That's a grant that I got from the Jacques M. Littlefield Foundation here in the Bay Area. They are 
doubling all of the donations that come in from now until December 5th. And that is up to $50,000. I repeat, $50,000. If we get $50,000 in, we get $50,000. That is a fourth of our ideal operating budget for a year. Please, please, please consider. Go to bravemaker.com slash donate. Literally 25 bucks helps, 100 bucks helps. And I really appreciate all of those who have supported this journey. Uh, I wish I could say someday I'll, I'll, I'll pay it all back. I hope I'm paying it forward in some way with the work that I'm doing. If you believe uh, this is helping you in any way, share this podcast. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. That helps get the word out. And donating also is one of the best ways to support me and my family and the work that we're doing. I appreciate it. Here you go. You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. So uh, this past week, I was on the East Coast and got to do some really cool connecting with the American Baptist Home Mission Societies. It's a big mouthful, but we are loosely connected. The Quest is loosely connected to the American Baptist Church. And uh, two of their denominational leaders are going to be here on Wednesday. So those of you who come to the pizza lunch, I'm making them serve pizza <laughs> on Wednesday so they can see a little bit about who we are. And we're going to have some conversations about what the Quest is doing, what the future looks like, and how we might partner and maybe find more resources and uh, just have some reciprocal relationship with what God is doing all over the country through churches who are progressive and are looking at scriptures in similar ways that we're trying to look at the scriptures. Uh, but while I was there, I got to do some fundraising for my nonprofit, talk about the Quest a lot, but I also got to train, ooh, it got dark, very dramatic. Uh, I got to train, train over to New York. And I got to see a couple plays and just uh, hang with some of my friends. And it was so inspiring. Like the stories uh, that I was seeing uh, on Broadway in theaters and the stories of people that I was hanging out with just reminded me of this sort of global invitation that we have to be a part of something that's so much bigger than us. And as we talk about the Bible today, I really think that's part of the invitation we have is to see ourselves in this story. Uh, but I wasn't back even just a, a day, and I gashed my head on <laughs> the hatchback of our minivan. Any of you have an automatic thing? So I, I clicked it. I was getting out, talking. I wasn't even on my phone. It would have been a better story if I was on my phone and hit it. But I, I hit it. I was like, all right, girls, get your stuff. And I ran right into it. I'm like, ah, and I'm dazed for 10 minutes, and I'm thinking I'm like bloody. I got to get stitches, but I didn't have to get stitches. We don't have insurance anyway, so that would, would not have been a good idea. And then, like, not 20 minutes later, I'm having a taco, just one, I got one crunchy taco, one, not even from a like, fast food place, it was a legit taco stand, and uh, I'm crunching, crunching, I'm like, oh man, I must have got some hard gristle, I threw it out, kept walking, all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm missing a crown, I have a, a crown missing now, so I had to go back to where I threw that, <laughs> that gristle out, and search through the bush, and thankfully I found it, oh my gosh, and now I gotta go find a dentist to glue it back in this week. So, man, but somehow I'm gonna connect that to the Bible today <laughs> and the invitation we have to embrace our doubt for the sake of integrity. Because sometimes it feels like getting through this book is like looking for a lost crown tooth in a bush, right? And this is what it feels like. This book is so complex, and our relationship with it uh, throughout the centuries of being the church has been complicated. And not everybody agrees with what is in this book, as we can tell by all of the denominations you know, that are across the world, all the ways that these, these sacred words, these ancient words that we just talked about, have influenced the way that we see God and that we see each other and that we see our call and our mission to live out these words. So uh, I'd be curious to have a few of you just shout out when um, maybe some of you who have grown up in faith or in church communities, when you refer to the Bible, what, how was it called? What was the, 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 the name? The good book. The word. the word. Awesome. What else was this? book called to the word of God. Yeah. Anyone else? The Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures. Uh, last week, Matt introduced the word authority. I've heard a lot that this book is called um, the authority of God. The, uh, the other ones I've heard, the, the inerrant scriptures. The Bible is the absolute 
objective truth of God. And those are really, for me, uh, you know, honestly, really weighty things. Uh, I've been following Jesus for 27, 8 years now. So uh, I didn't really grow up in a family that recognized this book in, uh, in any, uh, any other way as, a, as, as apart from like a holy book. And we would occasionally, I would call myself quasi-religious Christmas and Easter, attend gatherings up until I was 17 when I really started having an interest in faith and in Jesus. The story of God really got me. The story of God really got me. When, when I heard there was a, a being, a creator, who saw me, who loved me, who made me specifically and wanted a loving, intimate, kind, compassionate, forgiving relationship with me. That's what really got the story of Jesus and the relationship that we saw through Scripture about how Jesus related to God, that he would refer to as Abba, Papa. That did something for me. <clears throat> but of course, you were invited to then learn about this relationship with God through Scripture. And I went to so many Bible studies my first year. Uh, my family thought I was in a cult when I first started uh, being a part of a church. They thought, this is weird. What 17-year-old wants to go to a church thing as opposed to going to like the, the, the rallies at school or, or partying, which I used to do? I wasn't cussing anymore. My family were very comfortable with the swears. And uh, back then, you know, my grandmother would like cuss across the table at my dad, her son, with the F word. And that was like normal, you know? So when I started preaching to my grandma, saying, Grandma, you know, you really should only use your words to build people up and not tear people down because that's what we've been instructed. She was like, F you! You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> and when I was saying people like, I'm not going to be sexually active anymore. I'm going to save myself from marriage. My grandma again was like, what's wrong with you? You know, get out there. Play the field. This is my grandmother. Like, grandma, this is really odd. Because this, these words are odd. They, to make sense of them takes a lot of patience and a lot of humor, I think. And so my first couple years, I remember I went to this one uh, Bible study, and it was on the book of, <laughs> the book of Revelation, oh my. all right? My first year of following Jesus. And it, was, I, I, it felt like three hours long. could have been an hour. I don't know. Uh, but I remember my two friends who had shown me this great faith community, we, we left the Bible study, and I, I faked. I was an actor. I faked, like, fainting down and falling down, like, oh, my gosh, that was so overwhelming. I don't even know what to make sense of it. Uh, all I know is that if I really want to follow Christ, I have to be ready to get my head cut off, because that's what Revelation talked about. Like, if you really follow Jesus, you will be martyred for your faith, because this is what you can expect. So... Needless to say, my, my connection with this um, is, is very significant. I love these scriptures. But from, since the time I was 17 to now I'm 44, it's been a very interesting journey kind of navigating through. I went to a Bible school. I got a major in youth ministry and a minor in biblical studies. I gave up my dreams of the acting and filmmaking world because I was told that if I really wanted to follow follow God, and if I really wanted to honor God with a life of faith, that the best thing that I could do would be to become a pastor and to study these scriptures. And that, that seemed right to me for that time. And, and I'm honestly glad I did have that detour. I mean, I'm back in a different way now to experiencing some of the dreams and goals I had as a kid. But I got to know this word. And here's what's interesting, uh, that I never felt like I got in my church gatherings. Uh, when you go to Bible school and to seminary, they actually, the teachers there, I feel, have a, such a great grasp on scriptures that they actually want you to doubt. They actually invite you to disagree with what's going on. They actually, um, some teachers, I think, really enjoy making young Christian Sunday school fans uh, get so rattled that they want to question everything, maybe even walk away from their faith or the faith that they were taught growing up. Everything that I got in a short amount of time, you know, I went um, to, to the Bible school when I was 20, when I was 20. So I only had three years of my Sunday school experience, but I had had enough that, oh, everything in this book was true. If it said it, right? I mean, I didn't have this bumper sticker, but I thought I should if I had a car because I didn't have a car. Uh, you know, God said it, and I believe it, right? There might be a third part to that. That settles it, right? Yeah, that settles it. That's it. It's here. It's done, right? Uh, but when I got to Bible school and then further from seminary, it's like, did God really say this? <laughs> Did God say all these words? 
In fact, could that be the question that we are invited into today? Is that, is that um, all these stories, prophecies, poetry, laws, and letters, are these all directly communicated, directly inspired, um, inerrantly passed on by the very mouth of God? Is that what's happening with this book? And at one point, I would say yes. And now I'm wondering, uh, to the best of my ability, and you don't have to agree, this is just how I see it, and I might change my mind someday, I'm still learning, but I hope in some way what I, what I share today encourages you, brings you hope. Oops, where's my thing? Uh, my, qu- my question is, was everything in the Bible truly intended by God, or just human interpretation? I've been able to say this the past year and a half with freedom, but I honestly didn't feel free to say this before. Uh, you know, I, I was in circles where it was taught that this word has no problems or errors. And when I would ask questions, well, why, okay, so why did, you know, in Chronicles, did it say that um, Satan inspired the census? David, but, you know, Samuel said it was God who did it. (laughs) Like, there's a total conflict in the scripture, and I would just be told, well, it's it's there, and there's a way to understand it. It's not contradicting. Nothing in scripture contradicts itself. And so I'm like, wait, 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 help me understand, but no one would ever give me the permission, let alone the the response to how that would give weight to that. There's so many things in the scripture that didn't line up, or it seemed as if um, in Ecclesiastes, Solomon is saying, oh my gosh, you know, chapter one, he's like depressed and discouraged and life is hard and there's nothing new under the sun. And then we have Isaiah hundreds of years later saying, do you not perceive that God is doing a new thing? Make a way for this new thing. But I thought there was nothing new under the sun, according to, to Solomon in song, um, and to Ecclesiastes. And so now I'm at this place where, wow, I'm looking at this book as an invitation to see even these authors talking to each other. There are 66 books. The word Bible just means books. So books, literally. We look at it as one book. Uh, and I highly recommend not reading it cover to cover because it's a long time, uh, but it's not meant to be read even in that way. It's not like picking up Harry Potter, you know, or anything like that, which some people even, <laughs> you be saying that. I've been lectured that reading Harry Potter could really be a real incantation of a demonic spirit. I'm like, my kid's eight years old. She just likes magic. Can we just read this book without feeling as if it's demonic, you know? So, 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 when I hear all these different words about how we have, you know, labeled the Bible, it's authority, it's God's word, it's an errand, it's the word of God, um, I'm really comfortable now saying, I'm not sure, no, I don't think every word in this book was inspired by God or intended by God. But God seems to be okay because he hasn't struck anyone down with lightning uh, at this point uh, with our attempts at trying to understand him, God, the divine. That this book, maybe a better way, and I'm sure this is not original to me, um, is to call it the, the words about God. That these are words about God. Human beings, just like me and you, who are trying to understand how to make sense of creation, how to make sense of relationships, how to make sense of sexuality, how to make sense of managing your resources. So anytime I hear someone say the Bible clearly says, I'm like, I'm out. (laughs) I'm out. I got to stand back a second because I'm not sure the Bible clearly says anything. (laughs) But what Jesus instructed when someone pressed him on, what does the Bible clearly say? What is the most important command? Because, because, you know, in the very beginning, what we have are all these poems and laws and scriptures attempting to communicate how God intended people to live. And so you have over 637 laws, you know, everything from how a woman should deal with her menstrual cycle to, to shrimp, you know, and to if you have a spouse die, especially if they're a woman, what that woman, because they're your property, if you're a man, what becomes of her? Did God intend that if someone were to be raped by someone else that they could then claim that person as it? 
I don't think so. I don't think we should be making cases for some of the things I've heard the Bible clearly stating and coming from people's mouths. So I'm stepping back a little bit and going, oh, but it makes sense if I could say in the beginning of creation when you have all these different tribes and people groups trying to understand God and all these different ways of worshiping where animal sacrifices and human sacrifices were a normal part of culture in society, that it would make sense when people were trying to understand God or the one true God, that there would be a story like Abraham and Isaac in which they told of an invitation to kill one's own son, but then God intervening. Now, I don't know if that really happened. I don't know. It could very well have really happened where Abraham really was called to sacrifice his son by God or... It may be in his own understanding of God, because that was the culture at the time, that if you wanted to prove to the deities that you were obedient and holy, that you would do these things. And perhaps he conjured that up in his own mind, but when he got to actually doing it, then perhaps then he heard the real God. Could that have been a a possibility? It could. It could. I don't know. Remember, this is just how I understand it, and I might be wrong. But I'll tell you what, when I back up into my own life, and I go... Have I ever heard from God? I say yes. I've heard from God a lot. So I think. So I would interpret. I've had times, even like when I was dating my wife, where I was praying, how do I know, right? Some people go, you know, God, give me a sign. Tell me. I felt numerous times God had showed me Wendy was the woman for me. God had given me clear signs. So I had thought. And I'm happy with that sign. I'm happy with all those ways that God gave me an understanding in my own fear of commitment, in my own maybe potential dysfunction, because I come from a family of multiple divorces. I didn't see a lot of faithful, committed people. Uh, I thought, that's not for me. I can't do it. I'm going to cause too much hurt. But as I prayed, as I sought God, right, this is my journey, these these words even, I poured over them. Like, you know, there's a story of, um, I'm forgetting his name now. Who's the guy, the fleece? Uh, who? Gideon. Gideon, right. Should we go to war or not? And he puts out this little piece of, of uh, cotton, of lamb's wool, and he prays all these things, and he wants God to show him the sign. And one time, all the dew was on uh, all around the, the, the fleece, the cotton was you know, dry, and another time it was just on the cotton, nowhere else. And he prayed these things as a way to, dis- to discern. Was that God or not? I think so, but maybe not. I don't know. The story is there, so it communicated to me. I should be doing the same thing. So God, when we're out to dinner, if she orders the cannoli for dessert, I'll know she's my wife. <laughs> okay, she didn't order the cannoli. She orders the tiramisu, God, I know she's my wife. I mean, it'd be things like that that I would pray, and I would sense, okay, yay or nay on this one. But it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous, but in some way it was working, and that's how I had to figure out and understand my faith. Uh, so uh, other times, I've been you know, minding my own business, driving in my car, and I felt as if God said, get off at this turn and go to this cafe. Am I just dreaming this? What is this? Practicing trying to, to hear God and follow after God would be like, like that, like going, am I making this up? Is this just me? And I would go to these cafes and I would get, you know, people say in their spirit, in their mind, I would get these pictures of uh, people. I I got a picture of a woman in a white shirt one time. Like, this is just madness. And then I got, all of a sudden I got a name. Like, oh, now I'm looking for a woman named Veronica in a white shirt in this cafe. Like, this is just, oh, there's a white, this person with a white shirt. Like, all right, let me just see. Are you Veronica? She's on her phone. I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, stuff like that happening that I cannot make up. I cannot make up. And I could tell you these stories, and I could say, God told me, God said. And you could go, you're bananas. You're out of your mind. And in some way, I might be, but then I could tell you that this woman named Veronica was pregnant. And when she hung up the phone, I said, I'm just here to ask you how I can pray for you, I guess. I don't know. She said, I'm pregnant, and the father wants nothing to do with me, and I have a drug abuse problem. Okay. Maybe getting off on that turn and coming to this cafe had some significance from the divine. 
I can't explain it other than that. So I imagine as the people of God were writing down these stories and these scriptures, as Abraham is talking about working out his coming out of this pagan culture and trying to figure out how do I treat my, my offspring and how do I deal with the animals and my herds and all this kind of stuff, that this could be the same thing for Abraham. And these stories are then written and now we have them and we're trying to make sense of them in the same way. Honestly, for me to say the Bible says doesn't work, but for me to say, oh, I understand as a human being, getting these promptings or these pictures or these senses makes complete sense to me and actually gives me more freedom to enter into the story than I ever had before. So these stories, these prophecies, these poetry, these laws, these letters, uh, what if we're invited to um, interpret them through love? And here, here's something Jesus said in Matthew 22 when he was when he was prompted, because I think if you're in dialogue with, with anyone today about faith or about scripture, that's why we're having this movie on Tuesday, uh, there will be people who will ask. Okay, okay, so let's talk about this and what this says about whatever, about sexuality, about gender. You know, uh, I was with good intentions when I was getting married, <clears throat> had some great men in my life, and really appreciated all the mentoring and wisdom that they had given to me. And they were telling me just how to run a household, right? You know, using good scriptures like Ephesians chapter 5. I love the book of Ephesians. I think we should do a study on Ephesians here. It's one of my favorite books because three chapters, Paul writes, he doesn't give any commandments. The first three chapters, he just talks about who God is how loving God is, how God adopts us and cares for us and sees us and forgives us and invites us in and gives us power, all these things. And then starting at verse uh, chapter 4, 5 and 6, he just says, now, if that's all true, if the God of heaven is all these things, then let's be forgiving of one another. Let's welcome the stranger. Let's uh, love our wives and spouses. But he uses, right, this is, you know, 60 AD, first century kind of language. He uses uh, this word submit in regards to husbands and wives, and he says wives should submit to their husbands. Then he says that we should also submit to each other. But that word, that chapter in Ephesians chapter 5, uh, I was told that I really have the upper hand, but in grace, in my marriage. That these scriptures, Paul got them from the word of, from the, the voice of God, and we need to live this out. So that means as, yeah, Google that one too, I don't know. <laughs> uh, that means if my wife and I and Wendy get an argument, well, because the scripture says she needs to submit to me, then I can tell her I am the husband. <clears throat> with grace, though. Now, some people have obviously used that uh, with abuse and hung it over their wives, and it's awful, but I was told to do it with grace and love and compassion. And that sounded pretty good to me, probably because I had the upper hand, because I could get what I wanted. <laughs> But now I stand back and I go, oh my gosh, I think I missed the point on that. And I think if we were to have Paul here today too, Paul would say, the way that I understood God, the way that I was trying to understand relationships and order and uh, function was in this context of the culture that I was in. And he would even say, I disagree with that today. Men, women, you are equal. Let's bring this back. So... When I think about scripture and this doubt that I have, I come back to, to Jesus. And this is my invitation, I think, uh, encouragement for all of us as we dig into this complex book. We need to, we, we get to. We get to look at all the words of the Bible from a context of Jesus. So Jesus says this, um, so someone said, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now he had over 600 to choose from, or he could narrow it down to the 10. Which one is the greatest? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. I love it. He just kind of gives them a little turn, like gives a little paradox here. It's not just one, it's two. It's the same, but they're the same thing. Loving God is the same thing as loving your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So this is how I see it. Again, I could be wrong. But when Jesus is saying, you so desperately, and he says this in another place in scripture, you so desperately want to find eternal life with these words. You so try to 
analyze every single word down to letter and there's all these different meanings and there's 17 meanings for love and this this the this book is not where you're going to find life jesus says in another part of scripture you're going to find life in me right and all of those hundreds of laws all of the 10 commandments were attempts by the lawmakers and the prophets to understand this one thing love god and love others now, there'll be some people who are going to shake their fists and say, that's too simple. That, you have to flesh that out more. And like, you're right. It's so profound that it's simple, and we do have to flesh it out more. We are meant to wrestle with this. Uh, Rachel Held Evans, who is now deceased, who's now with God, uh, she's, who's doing the animate study? She's doing the animate. Uh, have you got to this one yet? Yes. Yes, okay. She has a great book called Inspired. Uh, I love this quote, which I'll get to in a second. But this other um, quote she has is, the Bible is not meant to be a conversation ender. It's meant to be a conversation starter, right? Because a lot of us use this to say, well, the Bible clearly says that. We shut it down. We cross our arms and say, boom, come at me, right? And if you just did the animate study, those of you who did it, and she talked about the Bible is this bigger into the story, right? Kind of how I started. This recognition that all of these things here have this greater platform or launch pad into using our imagination to understand God, to how do we play this out in our relationships with one another. Fairy tales are more than true. Fairy tales are more than true. Not because they tell us that dragons exist, but because they tell us that dragons can be beaten. Right? So going back to Abraham and Isaac, uh, it could be true, it could not be true, but what does that tell us? It tells us that there's a greater invitation to see God as a God of love and purpose, not to use people or our own children or to try to appease the gods in this in with murder, because that's how people saw the world at the time. He's saying, no, 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 no. But this greater invitation, like um, David and Goliath, did David really defeat a giant? I want to say, yeah. I want to say, yeah. Yeah. But what's the bigger story there? The bigger story here is that you can do things that are hard. <laughs> you can face people, obstacles, theologies, things that come up against you with the power, with the understanding, with the love of God. I would see words <clears throat> or scriptures like this, and they were you know, preached in a way that would give me such sometimes hope, but also sometimes such fear. This comes from the book of Isaiah. Isaiah says, My word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Now, I've heard whole messages given on that, that you know, basically any time we read these words, that it does something. And at the front of that, I go, yeah, that makes sense. Anytime we read these words, it does something. I've had other people say, uh, you know, these words can be kind of confusing, but the word of God does the work of God. And I remember going, what does that mean? Okay, just read this, these words, and it will somehow accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. <clears throat> Sometimes that's really confusing for me <laughs> because I, I think if I just was studying these scriptures on my own, I would come to a lot of ridiculous conclusions. Uh, one theologian says, imagine if someone was on a deserted island and a Bible just kind of plopped from the sky and they read all of these scriptures, right? And finally they get rescued and they come back to the mainland and they expect like life to be like things that they read here. Imagine how confused and perplexed they would be. Right? Uh, imagine if the disciples, we talked about this a few weeks ago, if the disciples came to our worship gathering and saw the way that we celebrate communion, standing in a line with a little dip of a bread, and, th and they go, wait, what? Where's the food? Where's the, whole, where's the whole thing? Where's the whole Passover celebration? Where's the story of, of Israel being set free from slavery? Because we don't really do that anymore. But here in scriptures, again, it just it reminds me that we have got to come to this place of recognizing the best things that we can do with the Bible is to... Is to access it as an invitation for conversation. To access it as an invitation to understand this great commandment of loving God and loving others. To filter everything in the first testament through Jesus. Because even Jesus himself would say, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye. 
But I say, so even Jesus is interpreting the scriptures. Even Jesus is saying, this is how it was seen, but I'm helping you see it in a new way. And, you know, like I said, um, this is a tool of empathy most, most times for me. I love engaging with people uh, on social media and being involved like, you know, in our Facebook Live. Uh, I shared it on my Facebook page today, knowing that I'm probably going to get some, some feedback. <laughs> I've been told you know, I'm a false teacher, if, just even for being uh, on staff with the Quest. I've gotten direct messages from people that I love. You are a false teacher. You're leading people astray. I've been told that. I've been, I've been told through comments, people just say, just preach the gospel. Stop telling us what you think in your opinion. <laughs> I'm like, wait, what do, you, I don't, what do you mean by just preach the gospel? What does that mean? Yeah. I am trying to the best of my ability to share the good news of God's love and creation, the Jesus, I'm trying to do the best. But every single person who speaks with this behind this book is interpreting it in some way. Exactly. Every single person. We can't get away from that. We all bring our culture, our lens, our experiences, our disappointments, our expectations, all of us bring it to this book. And I'm really happy I'm at this place now because I feel so much more freer. I actually love this book, I think, more than I ever have. And uh, I want to invite you in the same way to say to the best of your ability, and you can disagree. Even as we get, gather on, when, on Tuesday and talk about the film, what, what Scripture says, because we're going to talk a lot about Scripture on Tuesday, believe it or not, about gender, uh, you can say, I don't agree. And that's okay, too. Because we, we are, we're meant to live in that place. Of This is a very Jewish thing, by the way, to come, uh, to come with theology and to say, well, this person said that. This rabbi said that. Well, I say this. And to come at the table, hash it all out, and then go, cool. You want to go get a, want to go slosh back a beer or something? Yeah, let's go. Like, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We get to be talking and engaging with scripture in that way. <clears throat> so, uh, I'll end with another word from Jesus. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. I remember reading that scripture at one point and thinking literally it meant every single word written. Like that these words wouldn't disappear until everything that God wanted to do would be accomplished. And in some way, I think there's some truth to that. But it's not like... We have to put this in a glass case and put it on a shelf and say, it's, this is where it is. We get to take it down and look at it and say, God is trying to accomplish something here through these words about God. Humans, again, my interpretation, my understanding, humans seeking to desperately understand who are we? Why are we here? And that Jesus invited us through his lens to say, I'm fulfilling all of this. This story, this invitation from creation to the end, whatever that looks like. I'm inviting you to partner with me to see things as I see them, to wrestle through them. Because even Jesus brought questions. Look at every question that Jesus asked. And sometimes he didn't give an answer nor a response. He just let it hang out there for the people, for the disciples to wrestle through it. So I have a couple of minutes if anybody wants to ask any questions. I'm going to do a part two on this next week, but I'd love to invite anyone to surface any questions. And I might not have an answer because, you know, that's how we do it. I might just have a response and I might just say, give me a week. I'll be back next week. I'll talk through that because uh, we'll go a little bit more specific next week, talking about things like Noah and how we make sense of God killing everything in the world, but people, right? So talking about things like that. Would anyone like to surface a question, Nita? I have a question, but um, gratitude, thank you. And this is the first time I feel invited to turn it and look at it as you've described. And it, it breaks it wide open for me. Thank you for Cool. That. Thank you. You're welcome. There's so much more we could talk about, and I want to encourage you if uh, there's that book. This book by Rob Bell called What is the Bible is a fantastic introduction. It's even so much more simpler than 
I could even hope. It's so good. I've read it twice. I recommend this Bible for anyone who wants to take a deeper dive. This is something uh, over the centuries. I mean, the printing press was invented in the 1400s. So how many years have we actually had? 600 years, right? So, so for, for 600 years, and even before when it was printed, there was still people trying to hold back getting the Bible into ordinary, everyday humans, which I count myself as one, uh, it was held in a place that only certain holy people could teach these, right? You know, Martin Luther tried to change things and put it in the German vernacular, right? There was all these iterations of how we understood this book, and we didn't have time to even get there today, how this book came to be, and the people coming together and asking questions. Okay, so we have all these letters. Peter, there's a letter from Peter, letter from James, letter from Judas. How do we deal with that? Well, let's ask these questions. And not one of the questions was, was it divinely inspired? All the questions they asked to figure out if they should include them were, did the person know Jesus personally or know someone who knew Jesus? Uh, does it align with some of the other writings? And the third one, one is it just weird? <laughs> is it off pace and ridiculous? Like, those were some of the questions that they were answering, not is it divinely inspired? Yes. Yeah. Anyone can answer because I know those three for sure. Anyone? My question to the creator. From the Bibles, do all believe in the words? From the Bible, do all believe in the words? All I see. You see, I see Judaism. I don't believe in the rest of my language. Christianity. Uh huh. Islamic, I say, if all believe in the words, because the Bible is the words from everywhere, mm -hmm. I, I would like to know if all believe. Hmm. Yeah, so if I, hear you, if I hear you correctly, are you saying, do all those in Judaism, do all those in Islam, do all those in Christianity? They all, this is again, my ordinary human response from what I know, and I did study a little bit of this uh, in seminary, is that all of the major religions do interact with the Bible in some way. Uh, obviously, in Judaism, the Old Testament scriptures, what they would refer to them as the Hebrew scriptures, right? So they have all of those same books. Uh, a lot of Muslims I know uh, access the Bible as well, and their Quran uh, acknowledges Jesus too. So yes, this book is something that is meant for everyone to connect to, and Everyone's going to come to it with different uh, understandings. I have been told from some people who are very strong and devout um, Muslims that there's a lot of disparity with how we understand what they think. And so that's why it's important for us to engage in conversation. Like, hey, tell me how you understand Jesus. How do you understand the scriptures? Because I know some very devout Muslims who say, yes, they, I believe Jesus is a God. I've heard that, right? Uh, you know, Sometimes we can overgeneralize things that we stereotype people in, and that can be very dangerous. We stigmatize people of other faiths, and I think I would warn us against that. I think the Bible is something that, I, you know, most of the uh, modern world, the developing world, is very aware of. And we have all different connections to it. Um, and I have a friend named Daniel Kirk. I'll actually put his, I did an interview with him. He's one of my former seminary professors. He's in San Francisco. I'm gonna try to get him to come. We did a conversation about does the Bible disagree with one another, with each other, or to do the authors of the Bible? It was such a good conversation. Uh, and I was referencing that how, you know, in Chronicles and in Samuel, there's two different takes on the census. Well, uh, Daniel Kirk would say that 
in, in the Bible itself, there's so many people talking to each other and writing to each other and disagreeing with one another. Peter says um, how they talk about Paul. Paul seems to be a little bit lofty, and Peter's a little bit more a man of the people. So I think in regards to other faiths as well, that we all have different perspectives, and that's why it's complex. That's why I can't stand up here with integrity and say, I believe that all these words are what God intended them to be. I can't. That's why we wanted to title this, let's have integrity and say, I doubt. I doubt that. And you don't have to agree. And all the other people in the other face, if we're willing to be wrong or we're willing to dialogue, we might learn something too. I have a great friend who before I felt afraid of. I felt afraid because she was Muslim. And I felt like in some way, if she were to tell me something that resonated, that I was going to go against my faith. But she detailed a story of experiencing the divine uh, when she was considering taking her life. And she had this light and this warmth around her on a public bus. And she looked around and said, is anyone else seeing what I'm seeing? And they were all just in their own business. But she experienced the divine. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's because God is so much more bigger and mysterious than we could ever know. And I want to be so open to that. So good question. Okay, two quick more. Yes. Okay, I've got Yeah, maybe that's a good delineation to say that when I say not inspired, uh, was I inspired to stop at that cafe? Fully, yeah, fully inspired. Uh, would I say these writers were inspired by God? Yes. I think there's lots of things that were inspired by God. But have you ever thought God told you something and you were also off? Yeah. You know, right? So I think it goes back to just the conversation and the definitions. I'm a, I'm a person who gets really caught up in semantics. You know, I've taught, like, here, sometimes I don't like the words go to church because it, it, it devalues that this is a community of people, right? Same way in, in regards to the sin discussion, we can have conversations on how we define it. What does that mean? Right? Does it mean just falling short of the perfection of God? Uh, does it mean uh, the shalom, the peace of God is somehow disrupted? Yeah, 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 all those things. So I guess, I don't know, I would, I would respond and like, the, is it all, are we all relative? Is to say we, we definitely agree on some valuable directions that this scripture is communicating to us. Valuable that these people who experienced Jesus, did they firsthand see these things and communicate these things? Yeah. Did um, Matthew and Luke also borrow from Mark? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so getting into the history there, I think, is, a, is really important. But the, the relative question, I think, I'm not throwing this stuff out. I'm not saying there is no uh, ethic or anything like that. I'm saying that we have to understand where and how the ethic was formed and how we communicate what it means to sin Right? Because that has been used to abuse people and harm them and devalue them with these very scriptures. You know, my favorite theologian cartoonist, David Hayward, also known as the Naked Pastor. Does anybody follow him on social media? It's, it's legit. You won't find anything inappropriate. He's called the Naked Pastor because he wants to be exposing you know, his questions and his thoughts. But he does like a... Uh, a cartoon every day, every week, but there's one where the Bible is sort of strapped down on a table and all these doctors and nurses are around him and going, we had to strap him down. He was causing too much harm, right? Uh, because I think this is a tool. It's a, it's a tool. And 
it can easily be tossed out and we can go, we're just gonna make our own rules and stuff. I'm not above rules. I think some rules are good, you know, and some aren't. Like, you know, the menstrual cycle rules. That was a little ridiculous, but it was how they understood cleanliness. That's how the blood was a very important, just like it is today. Gash my thing, blood is unsightly, we don't want it. Uh, blood was an important part of culture. Blood is a theme in scripture of how we stand, understand everything. So that's my response, not an answer to the question. But again, I hope coming down to dialogue and how do we interpret it through Jesus coming to say, I am not abolishing this stuff. I am fulfilling it. What does that even mean to fulfill it? Okay, last question, Ken, and then band, come on up. Uh, I love the, the message you're bringing. Uh, to me, the Bible makes so much more sense when you have I learn so much more from it when I uh, when I understand where it came from, yeah. at the time, the culture of the people at the time, and how the teaching was being attempted by the people that were doing it at the time. Yeah. And not this solid, concrete, written in stone, never to be ever questioned for error and judgment. Uh, so I love what you're saying. I love cool. Uh, I read a book not too long ago by Orr called The Heart of Christianity. Uh, I don't know if you've read it. Mm-hmm. It's very similar in message. And, uh, it, and the biggest question he brings is, the question is not, was it true then? Like, was it truly factually the case then? That's not really the question. The question is, is it still true today? Mm-hmm. That's good. So things like, as me. Yeah. Actually, true there really was a man and woman who ran a garden, or is it still true today that we are searching for God, we separate ourselves from God, mm-hmm. and God comes with us? It's great. I heard another theologian say, in referring to Genesis and Adam and Eve and creation, that the way to look at Genesis 1 and 2 isn't how the world was created, right? It's not a scientific book, it's why it was created, yeah. right? Think about that. Not how, but why. For relationship and intimacy and connection. I'll read this next week. Okay. God, thank you. Thank you. This is just a conversation. Thank you that we have so much more to learn, so much more to do, so much more to grow. Thank you that we don't have to be right, but I pray that we would be loving. That ultimately, every way that we look, in, and every one of us is an interpreter. Every one of us is interpreting scripture from someone else who passed it on to us. So thank you for these words. Thank you, I believe, for inspiring these words. And I believe you inspire us today. We are living letters. We are living epistles to other people in the world. The way that we carry ourselves in social media, in our marriages, at our workplaces, in our neighborhoods. We get to love people and show the love of Christ that was meant to fulfill loving you and loving others in this beautiful, complex way. So may the conversations continue and grow and inspire more and more and more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe. Give it a review and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.